From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Yes, you have. You've tuned WIA and the National News Service for week commencing March 20. This week, joining us will be Dennis, VK4AE, Felix, VK4FUQ, Jason, VK2LAW, along with other VK2s, Julian, VK2YJS, Phil Waite, the WIA President, VK2ASD, Brian, VK3GR, will join us, and myself, News Editor Graham, VK4BB, Owen, and this bloke. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. I've been out and about. A few weeks back, at the end of February, I attended the annual Central Coast Field Day at Wyong here in VK2. I manned the WIA's trestle tables, along with President Phil Waite, VK2ASD, and Peter Young, VK3MV. I was also the convener of the annual VHF, UHF, Microwave and Week Signal Group get-together, scheduled for 11am on the day. Although the numbers attending the Wyong Field Day this year were visibly down on recent years, but the car parks were pretty full, the absence of dunderheads in the crowd was a welcome relief. On the WIA stand, we sold out of call books and a few other titles before midday, and I took a dozen or so membership renewals while Phil and Peter signed up a bunch of new members. One young lady who came up to the WIA stand chuffed about passing her foundation licence course, was keen as mustard to score one of the last call books and scoured the trestle tables for more publications to feed her hunger for information. She went away with an armful of books and a big grin across her face. I remember being like that. I counted 57 keen souls who turned up to the VHF, UHF, Microwave and Week Signal Group get-together, which is on par with previous years. That included a gaggle of guys from VK5, the odd VK1s, some VK3s and VK4s, and the usual suspects from VK2. The hot topics of the day were future VHF UHF field days and the 3.4 GHz QSO party frolics the week beforehand. We also paid tribute to absent friends who became silent keys since the 2015 Wyong field day. I was pleased to learn this past week that some 26 key business procedures for the WIA's national office have been completed and documented. Thank you, Fred Swainston, VK3DAC. There are more in hand to be completed, and progress is well up to date. The concerted efforts to reinstate the WIA national office have begun to pay dividends since the board began the reform process in August last year. With the focus squarely on customer service, over each of the board meetings across the final quarter of 2015, Fred Swainson's reports on cash flow and membership and the improved resolution of inquiries demonstrated the improvements the board sought when compared to the situation that led up to the board's decision, and especially when compared to the same period in 2014. Apparently, a few people are not happy with this. I will leave you with an observation from Italian philosopher Niccolò Machiavelli. The innovator makes enemies of all those who have done well under the old conditions. As you heard in last week's broadcast, I attended the first day of the Australian Communications and Media Authority's RADCOM 2016 conference on spectrum management. 
Despite the cost for the Institute to attend, the event is useful for reasons other than listening to views from industry-leading lights, because during the essential breaks, you get to run into and chat with senior ACMA officials, as well as other attendees. There's a line from an old Australian pop song that says, Never let a chance go by. So it was that I got the chance to chat with a couple of attendees who were also amateurs. It was refreshing to share views on the current state of amateur radio in Australia, the exciting possibilities of what may transpire for us when a new Radio Communications Act, and the extraordinary developments happening in digital communications. I also took the opportunity to have a bit of a chat with some senior ACMA people about subjects of mutual interest in amateur radio licensing and regulation. It's always good to exchange views in an informal situation to get the measure, as it were, of those we'll be dealing with under more formal circumstances as the government's spectrum reform program rolls on relentlessly. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD, President of the WIA. I attended day two of the conference which kicked off with the Minister for Communications, Senator Mitch Fifield, distributing a consultation paper for the proposed new Radio Communications Act. In the Minister's words, a new radio communications bill will modernise our regime and allow industry greater scope to respond quickly in the market to emerging technologies and services. Those attending heard how 5G wireless technology is only a few years away, with the possibility of connection speeds of over 1 gigabit per second and requirements for over 1 gigahertz of spectrum. We also heard about the Internet of Things and how by 2020 there is projected to be over 20 billion connected devices in the world, many connected by wireless and all needing spectrum of some sort. Lots of innovation is already taking place in what we currently know as the class license spectrum. We heard how telco giant Orange has embraced the LoRa low-powered wide area network technology for the Internet of Things throughout France and how in Australia the University of Technology in Sydney has equipped a campus building with over 3,000 wireless sensors. Plans to extend the network outwards from the university into the neighbouring suburb of Ultimo. We also heard about developments with connected cars and their huge requirements for spectrum. In fact, Google have just managed to send a mostly driverless car across the USA, coast to coast, but they suffered a minor setback when one of their driverless cars hit a bus. There's one thing for sure, it's going to be a very different and a very connected world. And a lot of it is going to be wireless. Everything is going to be connected and the competition for Spectrum is going to be huge. Brave new world indeed. The new radio communications bill holds both challenges and opportunities for amateur radio. For instance, apparatus and Spectrum licensing will disappear to be replaced with a single parameters-based license. And class licensing will be replaced with spectrum authorizations, which aren't really a license at all. We don't know yet how the spectrum and licensing pricing policy will work, as that is going to be the subject of a second consultation paper later this year. Spectrum administration will increasingly become the work of private band managers and that means there will be an opportunity for the amateur service to become more self-regulating with greater opportunities for experimentation and innovation. The WIA will be meeting with ACMA shortly to discuss the possibilities for greater self-determination in the amateur service. You can read the consultation paper on the WIA website at www.org.au 
and feedback to the paper is requested by the close of business on the 29th of April. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA. Coming up, some more news on our WIA AGM on Norfolk. But for those of you interested in tuning in ordinary radio, or should I say DAB Plus radio, here's something new. LG has released the first smartphone with inbuilt DAB Plus radio receiver, this in France at the RDE 16. In what could prove to be a game changer for digital radio, LG Electronics has unveiled its new LG Starless DAB Plus device at Radio Days Europe 2016. Radioinfo.com.au says the phone, expected to be available here in Australia later this year, features the world's first built-in DAB Plus broadcast digital radio receiver. DAB Plus now covers 50 million people in 40 countries worldwide. Remember, DAB Plus broadcasts not only audio, but pictures and text on screen. Those with an interest in the sport of kings have been feasting on TAB tote screens showing on their DAB Plus devices since it started in Australia. Joan Warner, CEO Commercial Radio Australia, has commented this is an exciting development for Australian consumers as listening and viewing entertainment, news, music and pictures broadcast via digital radio will use no data compared to music streaming services which can use more than 2 megabits of data per minute depending on the quality settings. There is still that argument in television and radio industries as to whether streaming of programs over the internet is broadcasting. You can see this technology can do away with the time-honoured broadcast licence service areas. VK3PC Jim Linton says, Put plainly, a television station can have viewers anywhere, including inside a licensed broadcast area of another telecaster by the use of streaming. We'll let that technological argument play out in the legal system. In Australia, DAB Plus currently is only mainland capitals and Darwin and Canberra. If you live outside those areas, with emerging technology, programs are likely to be heard free anywhere. Remember, however, this phone with DAB Plus is an RF receiver, not a streaming device. Exciting times. First we had mobile phones, then texting, then camera models, internet access, social media, games, FM radio chips, and now a free DAB Plus radio receiver chip. WIA dinner to hear of the past and future for Norfolk Island. The WIA annual conference in May will hear first-hand an interesting account of Norfolk from the administrator of this unique Australian territory. Readily agreeing to be its keynote speaker is the Honourable Gary Hardgrove, administrator of Norfolk Island. Also to be a guest speaker about his visit to the Casey Station in the Australian Antarctic is Doug McVeigh, VK0DMV, who activated VI0 Anzac twice during the WIA Anzac 100 program. WIA President Phil Waite, VK2ASD, thanks those individuals who made both presentations possible and looks forward to them at the Paradise Hotel. The opportunity to be involved in this event is still open. However, those deciding to go now do need to book their own flights and accommodation. The WIA will hold its annual meeting and associated events on Norfolk Island May 27, 28 and 29. For more details, you know where to go wia.org.au From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au 
International News. In Sydney, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Heil Sound celebrating 50th anniversary. Heil Sound, a name that's probably synonymous within the amateur radio community for its microphones and boom set microphone headset combinations, is marking its 50th anniversary this year. Heil Sound came into being in 1966 as Ye Old Music Shop, a music store in Illinois. Its founder, Bob Heil, Kilo 9 Echo India Delta. The celebration called 50 Years of Maximum Rock and Roll kicked off at the Winter NAMM Show, National Association of Music Merchants. Kilo 9 Echo India Delta initially made a name for himself working with music performers to provide sound reinforcement for their live gigs, initially supplying full sound system packages for venues and festivals throughout the Midwest and later working with world-class acts such as Humble Pie, The Who, The Grateful Dead, and Joe Walsh, Whiskey Bravo 6 Alpha Charlie Uniform. Heil said it was the Dead's Jerry Garcia who suggested changing the name of his enterprise to Heil Sound. Among other innovations, Kilo 9 Echo India Delta created the Quadraphonic Sound System for the Who's Quadrophenia Tour, as well as the Heil Talk Box made famous by Joe Walsh and Peter Frampton. Rock on, K9 EID. An antenna that may be printed... Researchers have come up with an antenna that is printed using ink infused with graphene flakes used in pencil leads and a roller squashing technique to increase its conductivity. Just one atom thick, it could enhance radio communications and has mobile applications. Among other potential uses are in clothing, thermometers and advertising displays. Heathkit offering gets mixed reviews. The once-famed kit-building company Heathkit has a receiver but before jumping for joy, let us look at some history, then detail what is on offer. After World War II, the brand name got many into electronics and amateur radio, but closed in 1992, reflecting a dramatic decline in the popularity of its kits. In August 2011, it re-emerged, set to make new kits for hams. It now has the Heathkit Explorer Junior GR-150 TRF AM radio receiver, a tuned radio frequency receiver, or TRF, that had been popular in the 1920s, but by the mid-1930s replaced by the superheterodyne receiver. It's a single-stage receiver without an audio amplifier or calibrated frequency dial. Heathkit has produced a quality kit, albeit with some expected headaches for builders and captured TRF-era nostalgia. The devotees support the Heathkit rise from the ashes, while others question the new product. The argument continues with pricing and the choice of first kit being a negative, while many loyal to the old kits are glad that Heathkit continues with a glimmer of hope for the future. From Canada with love. Radio amateurs like Norway's Oli 4, Lima Alpha 6 Echo India Alpha are no doubt accustomed to scoring a big DX every now and again on the HF bands. But when the 58-year-old dairy farmer tuned in late last year on the AM band for a program called The Morning Edition with Sheila Coles, he ended up turning program host Sheila Coles into an unwitting DXer herself. He was listening to a popular CBC Saskatchewan program being broadcast for a Canadian audience. It's not that good radio listening is hard to come by in Norway, of course, but the radio-obsessed four and his friends decided they would try and take advantage of some prime conditions, a dark, remote location in the north of Norway and some long-range receiving antennas just for fun. 
they not only heard the Canadian program, four even captured it on an MP3 file and sent the recording to the CBC to prove what his not-so-local ears had heard. The Canadian broadcasters, of course, gave Four's recording a great reception. And now CBC Radio's Sheila Coles, who landed an enviable DX without even trying, thanks to Ollie Four, has now got herself a new fan. He's somewhere out there on his farm in Norway, tuning up his receiver and milking his cows. Across Australia from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In VK6, it can be heard on the linked repeater network originating from VK6 RAP at 9am Sunday morning. I'm Chris, Victor Kilo 6, Fox Charlie Bravo Golf. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1 WIA. Operational news on Felix VK4 FUQ 2016. WIA John Moyle Field Day in full swing now. Let's take Dennis away from the contest, Mike, a moment. Good morning. This is Dennis, VK4AE, coordinator for the WIA John Moyle Memorial Field Day 2016. When you hear this news broadcast, this year's contest is already in progress over the weekend of the 19th and 20th of March. The duration of the contest will be from, from UTC 0100 to 0059. While you have left your run just a little bit late as a portable station for this year's field day, there is nothing to stop you from taking part as a home station. Those portable stations that are still out in the field may be too busy to hear this new service as it goes to air, for they will be flat out making contacts and logging the many stations whom they have contacted during this year's field day. While the contest activities will soon be over, the next part of the field day activity will soon commence. When the contesting actually ends and the rigs are powered down, the task of dismantling the station commences, and this is not a lot of fun as everyone is exhausted after the long effort of taking part. However, you must remember that the job is not done until the paperwork is completed. Your log is vital to your effort by recording all of the contacts you have made but it's equally important in verifying all of the contacts made with other stations. So the log is a two-part document, not just for you, but for everyone else who you have contacted. So please do not forget to complete your log and submit it either electronically or by snail mail. But remember, the closing date will be midnight on the 17th of April 2016. I look forward to receiving your logs this year. Last year there were well over a thousand stations who took part, but only 180 took the time and effort to bother to submit a log. I hope everyone enjoyed the field day, and as soon as all the logs are received, results will be published as soon as possible after that date. Thanks, Dennis. Now continuing the calendar. Harry Angel, 80 metre sprint, WIA, Saturday 7th of May. 10-10 International Summer Contest, August 6 and 7. Remembrance of RD Contest, August 13 and 14. 36 Alara Contest is on the last four weekend in August, August 27-28. Special event stations, DX, Beacon, Repeater and Net Advice. AMNCW on Anzac Day. The Tableland Radio Group is once again requesting radio amateurs in Australia and New Zealand to use the old radio modes that were used by our servicemen and women in the many wars and peacekeeping missions. One of the first recorded was the use of radio in the capture of German New Guinea and continued to Gallipoli, Middle East and the Western Front, just over 100 years ago. The idea for this event came from a conversation between Mike Patterson, VK4MIK, and an ex-Australian coast watcher, Lionel Veal, 
about the use of the ATR4A radio transceiver. Lionel had used these radios whilst on HMAS Paluma and missions to Wuwak, Long and Umboy Islands during World War II. It was obvious that a lot of radio amateurs had joined up and a lot of our service people were radio amateurs or technicians. It seemed natural we could give a special amateur radio salute to those that served on Anzac Day by using the old radio modes. Over the last few years we have seen amateurs operate from ex-HMAS Castlemaine and Diamantina plus former defence sites such as the Command Bunker in Townsville, Australian General Hospital at Rocky Creek, RSL Club down the road a piece from me here in Ingham, to name but a few. It is not a contest but merely a means of changing to the AMO from SSB on the regular nets and trying CW and Anzac Day. The RSL have been advised in the feeling that it was a good and novel idea. So again we see how great ideas can grow to fruition just by a quick QSO. It brings to mind how the Harry Angel Memorial Sprint, originally held on Anzac Day, was kicked off in a conversation with VK4AED Brian, also Silent Key VK4BBS, another Brian, and our own news editor Graham VK4BB. Hero will be active in Tonga as A31MM during the CQWWWPX SSB contest, taking place from March 26 and 27. He'll work a single op or band low power entry. QSL via EA5GL or LOTW. The expeditioners give gift to Falkland schools. In California, a nerd group of ABDXs recently back from the Falklands have decided to pay it forward. After working the bands in the Falkland schools, they've gotten down to the task of helping some of the schools there. In a very amateur radio kind of way. Amateur radio newslines Neil Rapp WB9VPG said, Forget for a moment all those QSL cards generated by the recent Intrepid DX Group D expedition through the Falkland Islands. There's another kind of bounty, one that's likely to be much more long lasting. The Northern California DX Foundation, which operated the D expedition, has announced a scholarship grant to the Falkland Island Elementary and Middle Schools so that they can buy amateur radio antennas, kits, and other equipment for the students as well as to create supporting material for the classroom curriculum. The Foundation credits David Collingham, K3LP, with doing the groundwork while in the Falklands, meeting with school administrators, teachers and government officials, as the team worked the bands recently in South Sandwich and South Georgia operations. Part of the California Foundation's charter provides for scholarship opportunities and for projects such as this, to support the next generation of amateurs. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ Inning. From Australia, this is VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hi, I'm Brian VK3GR with worldwide special interest group news beginning at Final Frontier this week. Aris celebrates school contact number 1000. On Thursday, March 10, 2016, the Amateur Radio on the International Space Station team, that's ARIS, proudly celebrated its 1,000th school radio contact. The very first ARIS contact took place in the year 2000. And in 2016, an astronaut, Tim Copra, amateur call sign KE5UDN, on the International Space Station, did the honours for the 1,000th link-up to the University of North Dakota. 
Copper spoke in real time to excited scholars in Grand Forks at the event organised by the North Dakota Space Grant Consortium. An additional program milestone, this was the first amateur radio contact with the ISS that has been hosted in North Dakota. During the 10-minute ARIS contact, astronaut Copra answered questions formulated by 20 different pupils in kindergarten all the way up to graduate school. A member of the winning 10th grade team from the Space Grant's High Altitude Balloon Competition last autumn was awarded one of the first slots with interviewing Copra. An ARIS event is more than the amateur radio contact, and in this case, the NDSGC team that included college student volunteers made multiple visits to pupils in the 2nd through 5th grades at schools in the area. The university teams led the young students in hands-on activities and learning about aerospace and priming the youth for the interview with COPRA. The students, many from smaller rural communities, built and launched rockets, crafted and tested parachutes similar to those on NASA's Orion capsule and designed and tested neutral buoyant objects. Students in the audience for the 1,000th contact numbered over 500. TV and newspaper reporters captured the action. The university media team filled it and live streaming was handled by John Spasozovich, amateur call sign AG9D. Now, worldwide special interest groups, radio amateur young timers. Seventh grade science class discovers ham radio. Stuart Aller, the seventh grade science teacher at Hiawatha Middle School, invited the Hiawatha Amateur Radio Club to talk to students about ham radio. Club members Jim, KB0FVP, and Randall, KC0CCR, explained to five science classes about amateur radio's role in natural disasters and how amateurs use the properties of the ionosphere to refract high-frequency signals around the Earth. And maybe a good plan for Aussie school talks in there too. Now to Worldwide Special Interest Group News, Rescue Radio. On Wednesday the 9th, Wyson, New South Wales was placed on standby to support the search for an elderly woman missing near Medlow Bath, close to Katoomba in the Upper Blue Mountains, in difficult and often heavily vegetated terrain. Since that Thursday, small teams have been issuing non-amateur equipment to members of a range of agencies and operating base radios and relay points. Supported groups include... Sister volunteer rescue association squads such as Bushwalkers Wilderness Rescue Service and Case Rescue Squad. As of Wednesday the 16th, the search is ongoing. For WIA National News, this is Julian Sortland, VK2YJS. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the Albury-Wodonga region, it can be heard on 147 Point five two five megahertz at ten AM Sunday and again at seven thirty PM Sunday. I'm Frank, VK two BFC. And finally from me this week, rewind a look back on our history. When an age restriction was put on young radio amateurs aged under sixteen, and that resulted in supervision being required to use their license, it was firmly opposed by the Wireless Institute of Australia. In July 2006, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, ACMA, based apparently on internal well-meaning advice, instructed its staff to impose the age restriction as part of the licence conditions. The WIA could not believe it and immediately objected. 
In a submission, it told the ACMA that such a rule was inconsistent with the objective of then recently introduced Foundation Licence, which was to get more young people interested in the hobby and on the air. The WIA also noted that age is not a condition for the operation of CB equipment and therefore discriminated as radio amateurs were trained in the relevant safety aspects of station operation. The protest quickly grew as more age-restricted licences became known after the reasoned WIA argument and other opposition, it was withdrawn. The ACMA quickly issued new licences with the age restriction removed. To this day, it remains somewhat unclear why the ACMA regulation was invoked in the first place. And that's all from me. I'm Brian, VK3GR. This is VK1WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions, www.wia.org.au. OK, we might just be able to squeeze this in, a quick look at what's happening in March, April and May. March 1920, yeah, that is this weekend, it's the Meet the Voice weekend at Ross. April 10 in VK3, Durban Park for the ARDF Day. April 17, VK6 Hargfest, that's at Gladys Road in Les Murdy, and it's open to the public from 10am. April 30 in VK6 is Perth Tech. April 29 through to May 2nd in VK4, the Clareview Gathering. May 7 in VK3, Moorabbin and District Radio Club's Hamfest at Mulgrave. And we've talked about it, May 27-29, VK9, the WIA AGM on Norfolk Island. Now till next we meet, I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.